Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, a staple of Louisiana kitchens for nearly 40 years. Maker of batters, coatings, boils, tartar sauce, cocktail sauce, and more. Louisiana Fish Fry, because life needs Louisiana flavor. From our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, this is Louisiana Eats. I'm Poppy Tooker. Here in Louisiana, one thing's for sure. We have some good Louisiana Eats. And we're loyal when it comes to those eats and everything that goes along with them. We want the waiter in our favorite century-plus-old restaurant to be the same who waited on us in childhood. And we expect our classics, from the red beans in the pot to the hot sauce, we douse over it liberally to be exactly the same we remember from our grandmother's table growing up as well. This week, we take a look at three companies that each have satisfied local appetites for the last century. We begin with Vince Hayward, whose family began and built our favorite bean company for four generations since 1923. Wait till you hear how they celebrated the centennial. Next, we hear from Pepper Balmer, third-generation producer of Crystal Hot Sauce that's still made with the same three ingredients Pepper's grandfather began with in 1923. Finally, we head to Ponchatoula to visit Elmer Chocolate, the candy company behind Heavenly Hash, a popular Easter treat that commemorated the century mark in 1923. We're having a triple centennial celebration on this week's Louisiana Eats. I'm Vince Hayward, CEO of L.H. Hayward Company, Camellia Beans. For generations of New Orleanians, red beans and rice have always been Monday night's dinner. The tradition began, as many do, out of necessity. Monday was wash day, and in a time before electric washing machines, this was an all-day chore, and women couldn't spend hours at the stove preparing the evening meal, too. Red beans, along with their seasoning, were put in the pot in the morning, often with a bone from Sunday's ham, and left to simmer their way to deliciousness over a low fire, requiring only an occasional stir. In 1923, Lucius Hamilton Hayward Jr. began meeting the great local demand and desire for beans by selling them from a cart at the French Market, an open-air shopping area at the downriver end of the French Quarter. Thus, L.H. Hayward and Company was born. In the 1940s, as supermarkets became more popular, 
Lucius's son, William Gordon Hayward, came up with the idea of prepackaging beans in one-pound bags to be sold at grocery stores as they still are today. The brand was christened Camellia after L.H. Hayward's wife's favorite flower. Over the decades, the company has earned a reputation for offering only the highest quality beans, and locals can't get enough. By 1984, 95% of packaged dry beans sold in New Orleans were Camellia brand. Fourth-generation proprietor Vince Hayward joined us to talk about the company's 100-year anniversary and how they continue to innovate while maintaining the mission of providing the community with only the highest quality products. Vince, this has been a huge year for Camellia Beans. Yes. It was the centennial. Let's review how you all celebrated and what came of it. First of all, it ha- it's, it's been a fantastic year, and I appreciate you acknowledging it. Poppy, and it's a real thrill and a privilege to be able to operate a company that's been around for a hundred years and really something that's a a real part of our culture in New Orleans and that's my home. And so it's just a thrill to to kind of have that vantage point, right? One of the red letter days from the very start mm-hmm. was the time we spent together down in the city council chambers. Well, it was uh, an acknowledgement by the city council that uh, Red Beans and Rice Day uh, is an important marker for the citizens and um, the fair, the food of, of the city of New Orleans. And it was an acknowledgement uh, by the council of the station that we have with the dish of red beans and rice and how it's sort of woven in the culture of, of New Orleans. It was a real sort of memorable day in which the city council got up and talked about the impact of Camellia on their own family experiences and the memories they have with with their family, uh, you know, both their parents and their children, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a day I'll never forget. And then, of course, there was your celebration at Dookie Chase Restaurant. Another milestone, of course. How did you all combine the celebration of Leah's birthday with your centennial. Well, it was just great to be there that day with the family and interact with the community. I believe we were handing out packages of red beans for the folks that were coming up to um, to purchase plates of red beans and rice that the uh, chef Chase was um, preparing for the public. It was it was really neat being with the Chase family. Chef Leah Chase was a tremendous fan of our brand and a huge supporter of Camellia and just, of course, just such a a character and a pillar of our community in so many ways. So that was just a real treat and honor. Well, if anybody is wondering why red beans and rice are so important in New Orleans and the important role that Camellia has played now for a hundred years, the video that Joe York made that really told a beautiful story in such a special way. It's a work of art, really, more than it is a, a, a television documentary. So many notable people 
in the film. As long as you cook and have people over at your house, that's the whole point. How you get there is not the, is not the problem. When you make that pot of red beans, you're not just feeding yourself. You're bringing people to the table. You're bringing your family, your friends, and everybody else to the table to enjoy one great meal. Oh, whenever I cook red beans, the whole pot gone, because that's what they love. The goal of the film was to kind of document the interaction of the dish of red beans and rice with the city of New Orleans. The danger was that we were going to overhype the brand, Camellia, and I think we did a great job of not doing that and really focusing on the dish of red beans and rice and the city of New Orleans. Another thing we did with that is we took it to several public schools in the city of New Orleans. We showed it to the students, um, fourth graders, fifth graders. They were very intrigued about beans and where they're grown and 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 how they're sort of packaged and um, just on and on endless questions that were just really kind of fun and refreshing. That that that's a that's a tremendous memory I'll always have. Now, you know, you you talk about your concern with the video and hyping the brand. Vince, you all did the most beautiful thing and gave the city such a gift, not just the city of New Orleans, but also Baton Rouge. Well, a little bit of backstory. When we were planning the the 100th centennial celebration of the brand, I was adamant that I didn't want this to be sort of a uh, a party or a, or a kind of um, hey, look at us type of celebration. I wanted to do something that would significantly give back to the community. And what we did was we came up with an idea to donate a million meals, a million meals of red beans and rice to the city. What that morphed into is we, we would donate both to Second Harvest in New Orleans and Baton Rouge Food Bank. Um, Camellia brand wouldn't be what it was if it weren't for the people that supported the brand. So that was an opportunity to give back directly to those who need it most. I'll never forget the day we were all packing beans together at the second yeah. harvest. What an incredible day that was. What was it, like 4,000 yeah. pounds of red beans we all packed sure. at, at the very yeah, kickoff the, of this? That was such an honoring day. You know, we had the lieutenant governor was there and city council people and parish council folks and the board of second harvest. And, of course, so many volunteers that day packaging beans from from a big 3,000 pound sack into one pound sacks that were going to be distributed to, to people who uh, suffer, you know, with food insecurity and um, just having everyone in the room and kind of celebrating. And it was, it was a great day. Between that and the day at the at the city council, we really had some big times together this year, and I'm so grateful to have been along for the ride. Vince, what are your favorite memories? What are the things you'll always look back at? The, the first thing that immediately comes to my mind is spending time with the children of New Orleans in the schools and just looking at their vibrant, curious, open eyes and how excited they are to learn and share. Just amazing, beautiful children. And it just it, I just remember being so hopeful for the future of our city with these kids attending these schools, which are really just something for us to really be proud of. Some of the schools we have in New Orleans are just, just I think, much better than any of us are aware of. 
I'll never forget, you know, spending time with those kids. It was just, it was truly a magical moment. You were also innovating and doing new things with the company. You know, beans for two. I, I believe that during this year or, or shortly before this year, you got a new research and development chef, Jamie Warwick, who is yeah. just absolutely a gem because she's a homegrown girl. First of all, Chef Jamie's an absolute treasure. As you say, a homegrown girl from uh, a city in New Orleans, graduated uh, locally here in uh, foods. She's a food scientist and she's very busy developing many new products. One of the ones that we've come out with most recently is a product called Beans for Two. And it's, it's, um, it's a scaled down version of red beans and white beans. And it comes with everything you need in the box, the, the vegetables, the seasoning, everything but the meat. So you just dump the beans in the pot and the seasoning and you cook it and it's all done. And it's really, really quite delicious. And um, she's actually working on many more in the pipeline. We can't really talk about them yet, but we've got uh, lots and lots of exciting things coming out for Camellia and really we have to do that. You know, times are changing and we have to keep up and that's what we'll continue to do. We wanna make sure we're, you know, as a company, we're really focused on the next 100 years, not the past 100 years. So that's that's where we're, you know, focusing our efforts on who do we need to be for another 100 years? Is there anything you're looking forward to in 2024? Well, it's uh, we're working very hard to continue to do what we do, and and that's just to produce the very best beans we can, the freshest beans we can, and make sure they're on the shelf when you when you need them. And that's that's what we do. That's what we get up every day and and um, uh, kind of make the beans. So, round about the time that people hear this episode, they're probably at home with a different pot of beans simmering on the stove because it's black-eyed pea time of year. I have to say that um, I'm really proud of our team here. Our black-eyed pea season is extremely busy. We we're, we work day and night to make sure that we produce enough black-eyed peas to get them out to all the stores when folks are buying them between Christmas and New Year's, the very short window, you know, in which everyone remembers to go buy their pound of black-eyed peas and and we have to make sure they're in the store ready to go for that and one of the things that makes that a, kind of a difficult challenge is that the beans aren't harvested until September October sometimes even into November so we can't get a head start on them we produce those beans as soon as they're harvested and package them as quickly as we can so it's been a very busy year for us well congratulations on all the incredible stuff you've accomplished. And and Vince, Camellia Bean is important enough to have been honored with a permanent display at the Smithsonian in Washington, DC. Yeah. Actually, I kind of stumbled across it by accident. I was in the African-American Smithsonian Museum in Washington, and I'm going through the exhibits and boom, there's a package of Camellia red beans and, um, it's sort of displayed near an exhibit talking about 
Louis Armstrong and how he always signed his letters, red beans and ricely yours. And, and um, wow. I mean, what an honor to be in a Smithsonian museum, <laughs> you know, uh, sort of depicted as a, as a component of our culture, really. I mean, it's, wow. I, I don't know what to say about that. Well, you know, that alone is such a statement about the importance of Camellia here in our community and in translating our culture for the rest of the world. But how wonderful to know you were surprised by it. I was. I was shocked. Absolutely. I had no idea. No, we had no part of that. Absolutely not. Vince, thank you so much for taking this time to reminisce and look back and let me be the very first one to wish you a very happy new year. Happy holidays and happy new year to you too, Poppy. Thank you so much. That was Vince Hayward of L.H. Hayward & Company, makers of Camellia Beans, feeding New Orleans and beyond for the last hundred years and the next. Coming up next, we hear from Pepper Bomber, third-generation producer of the flavor explosion that is Crystal Hot Sauce. Louisiana Eats returns after the break. Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Crystal Hot Sauce, now celebrating 100 years of hot sauce deliciousness. Always made with just three simple ingredients, aged red cayenne peppers, distilled white vinegar, and salt nothing artificial. Crystal hot sauce. Step out of the heat and into the flavor. From Rouse's Markets, synonymous with seafood straight from Louisiana's waterways, Rouse's Markets tastes like home. And from Camellia Brand, Beans Done Right, a New Orleans tradition since 1923. Camellia is celebrating their centennial with innovations for today's lifestyle. Beans for two. If a bag of beans is too big for your family, Camellia's New Orleans-style red beans for two and Cajun-style white beans for two has everything needed for dinner in today's smaller households. Learn more at CamelliaBrand.com.
I'm Pepper Balmer, president of Balmer Foods. We make crystal hot sauce. In 1923, Alvin Balmer borrowed money from his future father-in-law to buy a New Orleans snowball syrup company called Mills Fruit Products. Soon after purchasing the factory, Alvin came across a piece of paper in a drawer. On it was written a recipe dubbed Crystal Pure, a hot sauce with only three ingredients, salt, vinegar, and aged red cayenne peppers. Something about that recipe told Alvin that it was time to pivot. He changed the name of the business to Balmer Foods and started selling Crystal hot sauce. One hundred years later, Crystal is still made following that same simple recipe, with the company producing more than four and a half million gallons a year that's distributed to 30 different countries. But Alvin's grandson, Pepper, who now runs the company, tells us that this successful business model is based on more than simply producing a well-regarded product. As a member of one of New Orleans' premier food families, with matriarchs such as Ella Brennan and T. Martin of Commander's Palace fame, he was taught that with great success comes great responsibility. Mr. Pepper. Balmer. Welcome to the Louisiana Eats studio. Well, and I appreciate you having me back. It's always a pleasure. Well, here we are to discuss a hundred years of Balmer Foods. Pretty amazing. Where you've been and where you're going. Because you, you know, grew up in the business, but how long have you now been president of Balmer Foods? So I've been president since 2019. I know that since you became president, you have made some innovations on your own. Tell me about the things that you have done since you became president. So I was was talking about this with my wife, Katie, the other night. Uh, One of the major things that my dad knew and still knows, he's very mechanically inclined, can go out on the floor, he can hear a bearing going out, and he'll be like, boom, we need some grease on that, we need to change this, we need to change that. And then he'll get his, roll up his sleeves, get his hands dirty, and get all that. My mechanical aptitude is probably not up to par with him. Now, on the technology side, phones, computers, TVs, like, I I have to run around, and I'm running around him trying to do everything like that. And those little girls of yours are going to run around you, too. 100%, 100%. (laughs) But as his mechanical aptitude was to the production side, that's where he put his things. Mine and my background is marketing. So look here. We're a 100-year-old company. Yes, everybody knows us in the region here. But for you, I think a lot of people didn't realize how long we've been around. They know the product. They know X, Y, and Z. But especially in the region side, but outside of the realm, we're trying to get our brand awareness going. And that was one of the major things that I started kind of playing with. Even before I was president, when I came back from college, uh, had to beg and plead with my dad to give me a, a little budget just to do some social media stuff, which during that time, I guess it's still this time, but if you're not on social media, you're getting left in the dust. Same with if you don't do an email, you're getting left in the dust. You don't have a website, you're getting left in the dust. We had email, we had a website, but we didn't have a social media presence at the time. And 
I was I was talking to him about that when I was still in college. I guess Facebook, yeah, that had been out and about, but Instagram was the new thing coming out, and everybody started kind of getting on that. And we were just kind of we didn't have a presence there. So I actually created the the Crystal Instagram account still in college. Was posting foods and pictures of what I made, what I ate, and just all over college. But as we progressed, we handed that over to our uh, marketing agency, Brand Society, and they've taken it and run ran with it. I I love your Instagram account. I just love watching it and seeing what's happening. Now, how about the actual physical innovations you've done? Because let me see. I don't think it's my imagination that the crystal bottle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about your unique idea with the crystal bottle. So in our 12-ounce bottle, uh, our 3-ounce and our 6-ounce bottle has a quote-unquote call it a nipple in the bottle. Uh, doesn't need a fitment. It's just molded into the glass itself. Our 12-ounce bottle does have a fitment in it. And so we were, I don't know how we came up with this or why I came up with this idea or whatnot, but we were testing something out. And I just asked, I think this was even before I was, pre- like this is right when I got back to the company. I was like, why don't, why don't we just have the hole bigger? And everybody looked at me and they were like, what do you mean? I was like, why don't we make the hole bigger? In theory, as you use more, people will buy more, right? And like, I, I felt kind of bad because I could tell like nobody had ever thought of that. <laughs> and my dad was like, okay. And we, we, we got a bigger <laughs> fitment. And so far, so good, I guess. No one's complained. But you did have to make sure it wasn't just going to pour out. We had to kind of right. make it. It was a subtle change. But it definitely makes it easier for people to pop it out. You don't have to really shake it as much as you used to. Now you got to do a couple dips. But... People didn't know, so they were shaking it, and a lot more was coming out. But as you mentioned, we are a very unique product. We are a hot sauce company, yes. Hot sauce in everybody's mind outside of it. Heat, spice, blah, burn your mouth off. We're not that. I always joke and say step out the heat into the flavor because that's our primary focus. We want to enhance your creation as a chef. We also want to enhance your experience as the diner. So where we – really focus on the flavor there is heat there as well but as you know the flavor explosion is kind of what we go through so we're not going to burn you out the beautiful thing is that once you reach that centennial landmark that milestone you can't take it back it's happened and it's here and i'm so excited for you all to have reached that point wouldn't you love to go back to New Orleans in 1923? It'd be an interesting time for sure. I'd definitely like to be a fly on the wall to see what's going on back then. There was so, how about Heavenly Hash? Do you know that was the year Heavenly Hash was invented? I did not. I did not. And I, but going back just to kind of seeing how this was all developed, I mean, as you know the story, my grandfather got a loan from his soon-to-be father-in-law to buy a snowball syrup company. And then the archives found a recipe for hot sauce and completely flipped his business model. So from going into snowball syrup making to crushing peppers and mixing it with vinegar and salt and water, that's that's bold. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's bold, it. yeah. So from where you sit when you're looking forward, you know, your grandfather could never have imagined what you're doing today, but also the future that you're looking at. Tell me what the future looks like. If you're dreaming big, what do you want to happen over the next couple of decades? Well, it's funny that you bring this up because we just got out of a meeting today where uh, 
couple of employees who are still with us actually had the opportunity to work with my grandfather and knew him very well. Really? Yeah. So she was even saying that your grandfather would be flipping in his grave knowing all the stuff that we've been having to do from the late 90s to now and that he wouldn't even know what to do right now going into how the world's changing with AI going on. Um, that being said, automation, unfortunately, is key. Uh, you don't want to get left in the dust with the technology side. You always got to innovate to be on top of the leading edge to keep up with your competitors and whatnot. So that's our main focus at the moment. How are we trying to drop costs in our manufacturing in order to boost margins? Uh, essentially getting us, I wouldn't call it the stone age, but definitely getting us out of more antiquated equipment now into the 21st century technology for sure. There's another product that I was very excited about when you came out. And if there's anybody who doesn't know about it, what about that crystal hot sauce that has just a little garlic? Tell us about that. When when was that sauce born? So that sauce was actually born in early to mid-90s. We had a, really? a classics line, so to speak. We had cayenne garlic, habanero, and picante. And we sold those as a, I think it started to be a um, holiday line where you can buy like a three packet, like, yeah. a, like a box with all three in there. And that we try to get down the holiday side. But funny fact, that is actually the first hot sauce that I ever had in my entire life. So when I think of hot sauce, that's the first thing that I always had. And that's my go-to that I always use. But it did go away for years, especially after Katrina, we stopped that and we didn't bring it back until 2017 that's when that was reborn and we added that line and it's the gold sash gold cap right next to the green and blue delicious i yeah. I, I might be partial it's uh, i think i'm with you on it being my favorite so it makes me so happy to see how the next generation is just coming right along you know we had a, a wonderful episode of louisiana eats that i treasure where you got to sit down with all of your Brennan's cousins and talk growing up Brennan and how it all is. Well, you all are multiplying, you cousins, qu <laughs> yes, quicker than people can keep track of. Yes, Fill we are. us in on who's coming up next and what you hope will happen with yours. So we've got out of Catherine, Patrick, Kristen, Jordy, Lindsay, Sarah, myself, all of us have at least one child. I have two. Kristen just had her fourth. Lindsay has three. Catherine has two. Jordy has one. Sarah has one. And it's really cool to actually kind of see it coming full circle because our kids are now doing everything that we did at that age. We just had my uh, daughter's first birthday party this past Sunday, and everybody came and it was just it was just kind of surreal to see how it's really come full circle into the fact that I can remember being a kid going to Brentwood over in Mississippi or the Friendship House and just kind of we were running havoc in the woods and doing X, Y, and Z. And now understanding what exactly our parents were doing. Everybody they were we they were just drinking. And now that's where we <laughs> we're following in those footsteps and like, oh yeah, yeah, y'all go out there, have a good time. And we have our own party inside now. It's just it's it's awesome. 
Well, I just love having a front row seat because I love you all. Like I'm an auxiliary member of the family and I'm always grateful for all of the sharing that you all do with me. Well, we so. consider you an extended part of the family. You, you've known all this for so long. You've seen us all grown up and now it's probably coming full circle for you to see all of us have kids now and you're going to hopefully be interviewing these guys when they get of age. Well, you know what? It thrills me so, Pepper, because you know how I love New Orleans and, you know, this is our spot. And to watch another generation of some of the most extraordinary, influential people who are always all about the good of this city. Coming up another generation, another crew, it's so inspiring. And it means so much to me because you all individually and collectively are so important to the city. Well, that was instilled. That's always been, I guess, the pride of our family. Going back to Ella, Dick, John, Adelaide, they taught our parents that this is this is your home. This is what you're proud of. It's your job to continue it and make it to be the place that it needs to be and world recognized. And that's how our parents taught us. I mean, even even now, T still tells me we got to do this and this and this to get the city back on the right track. and We got to figure it out. But it ain't us anymore. It's now y'all. Y'all have to go out and do these things. Y'all need to come home with a slogan of proud to call it home. Y'all need to go out there and kick the tires like the fires and get this city back to where it can be. And we and we are. We are. All of us are doing our own part. Uh, everybody's involved in six different things within the city. And then sometimes we're on the, we're all in the same organization as well. So it's cool to see that we all have our hands in something to try to better the city. Well, congratulations on your big centennial. And you just keep rocking, my friend. I'm, I'm watching and so happy to see all that's coming next. Well, the beauty of it is our centennial is this year. But we can still have the party in uh, 102 or 103. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm ready. I'm ready to party with you. Thank you, Pepper. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That was Pepper Bomber, whose family is celebrating a century of producing crystal hot sauce in Louisiana. Amelia Brand and Crystal Hot Sauce aren't the only Louisiana brands marking a major milestone in 2023. What restaurant chain launched in New Orleans 40 years ago on November the 17th, 1983? Stay tuned and we'll answer that question when we come right back. Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, 
now doing for chicken what they've always done for fish. Fried chicken tenders, wings, sandwiches, and more. Louisiana Fish Fry has you covered with a mix specially for chicken. Louisiana Fish Fry, because life needs Louisiana flavor. And from Visit the North Shore, discover world-class culinary flavors on Louisiana's North Shore. Experience the bounty of the bayou and the rich culture from award-winning chefs, soulful mom-and-pop restaurants, extraordinary bakers, and creative mixologists. To learn more, request the Explore the North Shore Visitor Guide for inspirational stories, custom itineraries, and event information at visitthenorthshore.com. St. Tammany Parish, Louisiana's Easy Escape, just 40 minutes from New Orleans French Quarter. Here's this week's culinary quiz question, brought to you with support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. What restaurant chain launched in New Orleans on November 17, 1983? It was Copeland's Restaurant. That innovative Al Copeland Sr. found himself in a bit of a bind back then. He'd lost the Popeye's brand in a failed attempt to corner the chicken market with the purchase of churches. Quickly, he brought in food scientists and recipe developers like the great Warren LaRuth, who went to work helping create a new restaurant concept that Al called Copeland's. In 2023, the late Al's son, Al Jr., celebrated 40 years of Copeland's with newly designed restaurant interiors in 10 locations that continue to spread Louisiana's culinary goodness as far away as Florida and Georgia. But those classic menu items that originated with Al Sr. still endure. Cheesecake, anyone? I'm Poppy Tooker, and Copeland's of New Orleans does serve up some good Louisiana Eats. With a heritage that reaches back to 1855, Elmer Chocolate is not only the oldest candy maker in Louisiana, but one of the oldest in the nation. If you grew up in the Gulf South, there's a good chance your Easter basket was filled with Elmer's candy, like gold bricks, pecan eggs, and of course, one of their longest-running favorites, Heavenly Hash which turned 100 in 2023. Today's president and CEO, Rob Nelson, is the third generation of only the second family to guide the chocolate company. 
he invited Louisiana Eats to Ponchatoula, where every winter their automated plant returns to a hands-on manufacturing process, all to satiate our state's adoration for Elmer's Easter candy. Upon arriving, I asked Rob how the company came to develop such a delicious reputation. Well, I think in any business, you have to be the best at whatever you do if you're going to be around for the long haul. So for the things that we've, we've chosen to, to concentrate as being our business, uh, we have, I think, the most efficient plan in the world for what we do. We're making about 3,000 pieces a minute, so we're, you know, we're making four and a half, five million pieces of candy a day. Uh, we've devised a way to, to capture that and move it around efficiently. And none of our chocolates for box chocolate are ever touched by human hands. So uh, it's made on state-of-the-art equipment. As it's moved around, it's encased, uh, kind of a configuration we've designed. And then it's packed by robotic arm, picks it up, puts it in the box at very high speeds. So we have multiple lines. But if all of our lines were making that same product, we could make 800 boxes of candy every minute. Uh, now, people locally know us for Easter candy. They don't even know that we're in box chocolates, a lot of people. But Easter candy is a very, very small part of our business. We only run it for about six weeks. We're making it the same way it's been made for decades. And, and, and really for the reason that uh, in, here in Louisiana, people expect what they expect, and we can't change it. So we do it the same way. Your Easter candy business in the Gulf South is truly standalone. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. And every year, there's a national leader throughout the country, the number one item in the United States. But in this market, from Beaumont, Texas to Mobile, Alabama, about as far north as I-20, there are three items that outsell that item in this market. And that's gold brick, heavenly hash, and pecan eggs. Why is that? I think, uh, you know, it's a tradition. There are people that uh, they buy it at this time of year and they store it in their freezer to have it all year long. I have a lot of evidence to that and I hear a lot of stories to that effect. One, uh, after the Saints won the Super Bowl, we did a Saints version of the gold brick heavenly hash. And it, it sold really well. But I could tell that people even hoarded that because it affected next year's Easter sales. So you know that there's something going on there. The other thing, uh, and they say that there's no such thing as bad publicity, but uh, front page, New York Times, not long after Katrina, you know, the days of everybody pulling their, their refrigerator out to the street and then the street was lined with refrigerators. Well, they had a photograph of a freezer and it was filled with our product. <laughs> Did look so good in September of uh, 2005, but uh, there it was, front page of the New York Times. So you grew up in this business. What are your earliest memories? I know you said you went to work with your dad as a child a lot, but tell me about growing up in a chocolate business. What was that like? So Easter was really the bread and butter of the company at that point in time, and and the selling process was different. I mean, we had people going to the stores in New Orleans and you know, we had K&B and we had Schwegmans and we had all these other retailers that just bought so much. I mean, you would go to a and b drugstore and one side of the aisle was us and the other side of the aisle was everybody else. So it, it was major. And every good Friday growing up, I was here in this building helping to load trucks. We would load trucks on Good Friday. We would load trucks the day before Easter. 
So, you know, my friends were going to Florida for, for Easter or whatever, and, and I was driving a truck. And I do remember as a kid, you know, waiting for those last orders on the day before Easter. And in between trucks, we would skateboard through the factory because, I mean, there are these perfectly smooth floors. And, I mean, there's no, it's a lot easier to skateboard in the Elmer Candy factory rather than on the streets of New Orleans. So uh, it really worked out well. And I, a lot of times I was able to bring friends to come do that. You know, it was, it was work, but it was fun. Today, everything's sold on data. It goes in. We sell it, you know, by Valentine's Day for Easter, and we don't make any more. Elaborate for me a bit about how you managed to go from this very high-tech production to hands-on, hand-dipping, hand-wrapping, low-tech Easter production. You know, it's a challenge. Uh, you know, it, it just it's a whole different skill set. Um, it's a whole different set of equipment, and, and, and it's almost like each year we have to remember how to do it. We all like to sometimes get our hands in the dough in the kitchen, right? And certainly it's fun to do something that's appreciated. Uh, you know, for people that work here, sometimes they're thought of as being celebrities in their neighborhood because that's what they do, you know? So it's just it's, it's fun. It's amazing how much attention we get this time of year for something we only do six weeks a year. Hey, Cal. How you doing? Hey, Miss Sarah, how are you? I had to see for myself what happens in a state-of-the-art chocolate factory when time is rolled back over 50 years. Just real quick, we just need to wash our hands and uh, get some alcohol gel. As the exposed shiny marshmallow insides of Heavenly Hash passed on a constantly moving belt, several ladies stood by each poking two whole almonds into every egg. There's not very many marshmallows out there on the market you can do this to. A little further along, a group stood around a vat of chopped pecans, coating the nougat eggs with nuts as they were hand-tossed about. Much of the wrapping and packing was done completely by hand as well. A far cry from the mechanized precision that drives their production the rest of the year. The cold stamp room over here, this is the driest place in the state of Louisiana. It's 1% humidity. <laughs> when this line was installed, it was the best line in the United States. Does your sugar come from all over the world, I imagine? No, it comes from Louisiana. About 70% of all cacao beans are coming from Western Africa. So I would say all the beans that we're using are coming from from Ghana, and and cow trees grow within 20 degrees of the Earth equator, so it's you're limited where it can grow, and and Africa is the biggest producer, and those beans will come to the United States, and then we bring it in by tank truck. So a big tanker truck full of chocolate arrives yeah, so you here. Yeah, huh? stainless steel trucks on the highway. Yes. You know, you think maybe that's oil, maybe that's gasoline. It it could be chocolate. <laughs> and I had a story one time. This is a long time ago. This is probably back in the 70s. But we had a truck that was delivering chocolate, and he took a wrong turn, and he went down the wrong street here in Ponchatoula. Anyway, he was going over a railroad crossing. I think he jackknifed the truck. And so the chocolate started coming out the top of the truck. And all the kids in the neighborhood ran over and were, like, showering in the chocolate. They thought it was the most amazing thing ever. Oh, that's crazy. No, we didn't use that chocolate yeah. afterwards. <laughs>
from their plant in Ponchatoula, that was Rob Nelson, president and CEO of the Elmer Chocolate Company. Their beloved treat, Heavenly Hash, has been in Easter baskets since 1923. That's it for this week's edition of Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Catch up on previous editions of Louisiana Eats on poppytooker.com, where over a decade of Louisiana Eats is available for pod and webcasting, along with recipes and cooking class videos, too. And don't forget to rate us on your preferred podcast platform. Louisiana Eats is made possible with major support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, Louisiana Fish Fry, Crystal Hot Sauce, Rouse's Markets, Visit the North Shore, and Camellia Beans, celebrating their centennial with an innovative new product, Beans for Two. Camellia's new Red Beans for Two and White Beans for Two include everything needed to cook two authentically seasoned bowls of beans, scaled for today's smaller households. Learn more at CamelliaBrand.com. And from D'Agostino Pasta, celebrating our culture with fleur-de-lis, crawfish, and alligator-shaped pastas. All handcrafted in Louisiana, just as it's been done in Sicily for centuries. Visit D'AgostinoPasta.com to learn more. Original theme music composed by David Pomerlow and performed by Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Big thanks to senior producer Joe Schreiner, producers Blake Longlinay and Steve Himmelfarb, with writing contributions from Becky Retz, and to our business manager and social media maven, Maddie Mulladew. Catch up with us anytime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, too. Louisiana Eats is a production of Poppy Tooker Broadcasting. Mm-hmm.